Dancers have a lot to balance. From their pirouettes to their jumps, a dancer's performance is a direct result of hard work and motivation. So where does food fit into this? There's a lot of myths and a ton of antiquated ideals about what a dancer's diet should look like. And I'm here to dispel those. I'm Rachel Fine, registered dietitian nutritionist and founder of To The Point Nutrition. I'm the dance nutritionist and I'm here to tell you that to be a successful dancer, you don't have to diet. Instead, I'll teach you how to use food as your best tool to enhance your performance. A nourishing meal plan not only fuels your dancing, but also enhances your strength, improves your balance, supports your flexibility, and most importantly, reduces your risk to injury. I'd really love for you to tell us about who you are and where you train um, and what you're dancing and doing now. Yeah. Um... So my name is Elizabeth, or Liz. <laughs> I sort of fell in love with ballet at a young age. I think I started just with, like, mommy and me classes with my mom, and then gradually that turned into a love for training hard in classical ballet. I started at, like, a professional school near me called Grant Ballet Academy when I was um, around the age of seven, and then I started training in the city at Ellison Ballet when I was 13, and when I was 17, I started with um, ABT Studio Company. So you yeah. went from Ellison to the studio company. You didn't go through the, through the JKO track. That's the pre-professional school of ABT, which very often will feed into the studio company. So Liz, the reason why I really wanted to have you on here was because you didn't really follow that traditional path. So it um, would be awesome for you to kind of just, you know, lead us through that track. Yeah. Um... I was training at Ellison and kind of near the end of my path there, um, I did some competitions and sort of from there it kind of un all unraveled and that's sort of how I joined Studio Company. But um, it, I guess it is not a traditional path, um, but it was kind of fun in the sense that it was a little bit different. Intense, very hands-on, yeah. but yeah. very good. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So let's talk about being in a studio company. And for everyone tuning in who doesn't know, a studio company, also sometimes called a second company, is usually affiliated with a larger professional company. Often, often it really involves about like six to 12 performers or dancers. Mm -hmm. um, so can you talk to us about your experience in ABT2? Yeah. Um... So I started when I was 17 and I was actually, I luckily was able to be kind of in like a normal studio company life for three weeks. And then, yeah, I had a few injuries and then I was back and they needed another dancer. So I joined kind of at a random point. I joined in mm -hmm. February of 2020. <laughs> My, wow. I don't know when it is anymore. It's very confusing. And then I've been there since, but I did get to have like three normal weeks. So I went on two like small tours, kind of just to like colleges around the New York City area, um, which was so cool to kind of get a feel for how it would be. Um, and then we were supposed to go to London for this program called International Draftworks to premiere 
um, a piece that they had been working on, but that didn't happen because of COVID. And then we went to Zoom. So I know what it's like, sort of, but I kind of only had a first glance of what it is like without COVID. <laughs> um, but we did have a few like ballet bubbles, which are kind of an enigma in themselves. We like quarantined for two weeks um, in isolation. So each of us like fly to the destination. Usually I am lucky it's pretty close to home. So I just drive um, and we're in like single rooms for two weeks. We're tested before we go. And then after the two weeks are up, they take our temperatures every day. We have little daily forms to fill out and then we're able to dance together for a few weeks without masks and then we film it and perform so that was those were really exciting to be a part of and kind of something nice to look forward to with everything that's going on <laughs> yeah but it must have been a little bit hard to get into the rep having to come from zoom and then having to go into the bubble that that's got to be like a huge uh, curve learning curve yeah we had to. So our first one, we kind of took the rep that they had been doing for like the normal 2019, mm -hmm. 2020 year um, and added a few things, but mostly we stuck with that rep. So that was kind of made sense. Most people knew the rep and then there were some new pieces. But for our recent bubble, we had like a whole new set of rep because it was kind of a new year. Mm -hmm. And we ended up learning most things on Zoom, learned them at home, and then we got there, and then the, we would kind of have to, like, try it out with our partners to, like, because, like, the, with partnering, it's so different, because we learned a few paws, like, by ourselves. We would be like, this is where I am, but you don't know where your partner is. <laughs> okay, um, what would you feel the major benefits are to um, joining a second company? Yeah, I mean, there's definitely a bunch of benefits. I certainly performing that you have a lot of performance opportunities um in a second company because generally you're kind of touring each weekend um and you get a chance to do a variety of rep which has been really cool um and besides that it's kind of a nice bridge between life in a school and life as a professional because you're not quite there yet where you're fully a professional, but you're also not in a school anymore. So it's kind of this fun middle ground where you're finishing like your school, but you're also kind of like dipping your toes in like a professional life. Right, right. It kind of reminds me, I don't know if this is the best analogy, but you know, like the summer after senior year of high school where it's like, yeah. there's this <laughs> where you start college. Yeah. <laughs> It's like that bridge. In right, exactly. Abilities of being a senior and then going off to college. Yeah. What challenges you would, you've maybe faced either in a studio company or perhaps more of your ch challenges were felt as a student in a pre-professional school? Like how would, how would those differ? Yeah. Um, I mean, I think in a school you're lucky because at least, especially where I was, we had a lot of corrections and a lot of very intense training we had a lot of time if we were doing a performance or some sort of competition we would spend months preparing one or two variations sometimes more but months went into not a lot of work whereas in a I main and it's in a company or a second company you have no time and you have less attention because it's more about figuring out like what you need to do for yourself so i think 
that's probably the biggest challenge between uh, life, like in a school and in a second company. But I kind of was, my teachers did tell me that they were like, once you move on, like, you're gonna have to figure this out yourself. We're not gonna be yelling at you every day. But it's definitely a tricky transition. Because it's yeah. just different energy. <laughs> totally. And, you know, that attention in a school setting, you get used to it, um, progressing. Right. Can you talk to us about your relationship with food? Yeah, of course. Um, let's see. I'm not vegan or vegetarian or anything. I do like those options sometimes. It depends on my mood. Like, <laughs> anything is fun. Um, for me, I kind of just go with what my body tells me if I'm craving chocolate, I'll have some chocolate. I do like mm -hmm. to have dessert on a daily basis because I think it's fun. Yeah, because a lot of dancers can develop a fear with food um, and really lose touch with the, the fun and the joy that food can actually bring to our lives. And this is right. really what we see often with disordered eating. So I think it's very refreshing to hear you know, how you are able to remember that food can actually be fun and you can still be successful as a dancer. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think also, like, as I got older, I kind of got into, like, baking and cooking. And that's kind of a whole outlet in itself just for, like, general stress relieving. But that kind of makes it more fun also when you're like, what should I make for dinner? What do I want to bake today? Because um, mm -hmm. then you're still, like, you're kind of building what feels like a happy relationship with food when you get to kind of play with what you're making. <laughs> uh, and would you say growing up, you always had this, uh, make like an interest in food? I mean, for, I didn't really start like making my own food until like very recently, but I did always <laughs> have an interest in food and like trying new things or, I mean, I definitely have my favorite foods, but I, I like to experiment a little bit. <laughs> Awesome. And one thing about COVID and being home and, of course, having the time that we had was that it really did allow us or some of us yeah. to start to experiment in the kitchen and utilize that time to, you know, reintroduce or if, if a dancer never had or hasn't had that love or fun with food in a while, right. it allowed them to dive into that work. Mm -hmm. Exactly. <laughs> was there ever a time throughout your dancing, you know, whether that was on your pre-professional, your Ellison days or now, where you really more than usual felt that there was a connection between like what you put on your plate or what you're putting in your body and how you're dancing on stage or in class? Yeah. Um, I mean, I think like as I got older, I kind of recognized that like what I put into my body is fuel for dancing. Um, mm -hmm. But at the same time, like, not everything has to be like, something that's going to be perfect for what I need to eat for my dancing. So kind of like finding a balance between like, what do I want to eat? And like, oh, I have to dance for six hours today. What would be good in terms of that? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I think I got just I mean, as I got older, I think I was just a little bit more aware of like, balancing those. Yeah, and that, that's so important that balance, because you know, as right. dancers, athletes that we do need to utilize that proactive approach in regards to like fueling our day to day. You know, if you have a seven, six, seven hour day of dancing ahead of you. Right. Yeah, that's yeah. true. I feel like I usually am hungry when I am dancing. <laughs> I'm one of those people like I'll dance and then I'm like, I have to eat. <laughs> that's usually where you probably rely on those snacks in your dance bag right. and just can 
options. And for the dancers listening who are like, well, I don't feel hungry between classes. Well, that's where we need to plan ahead. And so often, I don't know if you've ever experienced this, sometimes we genuinely like might not feel that hungry while we're dancing so much or while we're so busy. Do you find it hard though to plan when you are so busy? I mean, I, I kind of like like meal planning, like I make my little list. And then I like mm -hmm. make it all like pretty. So it's kind of like an activity in itself. <laughs> um, but sometimes I guess. But most of the time, I think it's sort of fun to plan it out. <laughs> Definitely. So Liz, there's no doubt that as dancers, we do face pressures in regards to body aesthetics just throughout our pre-professional days and even our professional days. I'd love to hear a bit about how you've been able to um, persevere in your dancing without those pressures being an interference to mm. your success bar. Yeah, um, there definitely was a point, especially when I was a little bit younger and when I was growing and developing, uh, where I did have some body shaming, which was a little tough because I was really young and I was growing and, you know, just on my own path a little bit slower than maybe other people, but I was on a path. <laughs> um, and people would say things that just were untrue. And things like, oh, like, just eat a cookie, or you have this disorder and this disorder. And everyone has welcome to have their own opinion. But it was sort of challenging when I was young to kind of hear those things and read those things. Mm -hmm. um, but what was comforting is that like, I knew I was okay. And my doctor knew I was okay my teachers knew I was okay. Like the people who were like in my corner supported me and knew that I was just a late grower, a late developer, whatever you want to call it. I just, it, I was okay. I just was a little bit smaller. We're a late bloomer. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so I think just having like some people in my corner was, was definitely helpful because I felt more supported and that I, I, I knew I was okay. They knew I was okay. It just, from an outside view, other people have their own opinion. <laughs> and, and sometimes those external comments can actually weigh a lot on a dancer. And it sounds like you had a very strong support system, which helped yeah. you um, kind of like steer clear of what could have happened. But right. one thing that, that is true is that even hearing a comment like that sparks awareness towards your body and I think that's something that could actually be still very dangerous for a young dancer who's just yeah. trying to on this you know newfound passion that they might have and then you know the second uh, a comment is passed like that that's that can immediately spark second guessing yeah I wouldn't wish that upon anyone I really would not but I think I it was just comforting to have a really good support group and kind of I mean, I, I don't really remember being very phased by it all. I kind of was like, well, that's weird. I'm fine. <laughs> and then I just continued on. But if I had paid a little bit more attention to it, I think it would have been a little bit more hurtful. <laughs> totally, totally. So Liz, any advice you can give to dancers out there who might still be more on the pre-professional track, who are looking to perhaps audition down the road for a second company? Yeah. That's a good one. Um, let's see. I mean, I think, I think sign companies are always looking for like individuality. So I guess this is pretty generic, but I would 
probably just recommend to be yourself because everyone else is already taken and they're looking for people who have their own sparkle or their own personal way. So I think just like believing in yourself and having awareness of what is happening in the room is also a good thing. Um, there's no need to like stand in the front and center for every combination that they'll notice and they may not like that. So just being aware and also believing in yourself and having that confidence is, is definitely a challenge, but I think that's important um, for auditioning as well, finding that balance. <laughs> confidence is key for sure, for sure. And then my final question, Liz, would be, how would you define a healthy dancer? Hmm. I mean, I think for me, a healthy dancer is probably some sort of balance of like mental health and physical health because you may physically be healthy, but be struggling with something mentally or vice versa. So I think finding the balance there. <laughs> um, and I think for me personally to try and find that balance, um, is just taking time away to find other passions. That was kind of what I was told like when I was injured or like even during COVID is that it's important to find other outlets that like spark joy and you have fun with because then you're not fully relying on ballet and then you can keep going back to it um, as for fun. So it's not just your main stressor um, and maybe having like school or something on the side, I've always found useful because then I can kind of if I'm having a bad day in one, then I just do go back to the other one. And I kind of like having that, um, I guess, stress of both. Because <laughs> if one's not going my way, maybe the other one is. How would you say you do balance academics with being in a second company? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely different for everyone. Um, as a, When I was growing up, academics were a big part of my life and then I kind of went down the path of oh I, I want to be a dancer so then I ended up doing um, high school online which was not um, the preferred choice but that's what um, we decided to do and I did graduate um, high school in January of 2020 so that was done before I started studio company but during COVID, I decided that I wanted to go back and do some college. Um, so I'm doing that right now. I'm taking one class at a time, <laughs> just a little bit, just to have something. Um, but I do enjoy kind of like the mental stimulation of academics while also doing ballet, because sometimes what I'm learning, um, I find it kind of correlates to what I'm doing in ballet, and I can kind of use it um, when I'm dancing. Not always, but sometimes, <laughs> which is kind of fun. Yeah, this is so important. This is just the idea of not having such a one-track mind, not being so hyper-focused on belly, which is easy for dancers to do because, you yeah. know, there, there is a, a very, a huge emphasis in, in ballet culture that it's like, to, like, to be intense and to be one-track minded, but that doesn't necessarily help in the long run. Um, right. And so many dancers that I speak to on these interviews, you know, we all kind of come to the same conclusion that dancers need to wear multiple hats and that adds depth to your performance. So right. you, you bringing other experiences, whether that's your academics, whether that's you experimenting in the kitchen, um, 
can add to your performance in the strangest but coolest of ways. Right, exactly. And I'm definitely guilty of being like, oh, I have to only worry about ballet. <sighs> but I, I do find that I feel like a much healthier dancer when I am have different things going on. <laughs> yeah, and I think it's also important to realize like, you know, there's no shame in having that one track mind, but right. it's important to be aware of it and always do check-ins to realize that it's not this thing that we solve. It's a journey. We're always working. We're always checking in and being like, okay, let's take two steps back. Elizabeth, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> it's obvious that you really do have this balanced approach about listening to your body, but also knowing when and where and how you need to feel it as well. So thank you so much for sharing that. Yes, of course. Thank you so much for having me.